When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's T with Abduction Enigma Podcast. So this week we're going to have on John Yost, the director of Abduction Answers. It's a new documentary that just came out this year and my god is it a good one. Alright, let's get him. Now this is originally where I heard about Jan by watching this documentary. I wanted to rent it because anything alien abduction related I at least look into or check out. So I rented it on YouTube for a couple bucks. I watched it to see if it had any validation to it. You know, within this field sometimes people lie and make things up and just want a quick buck. So I watched this documentary and immediately it struck me as just genuine. Just from all the experiences we've covered on this podcast and in general. I'm not exactly new to this. It stood out as very genuine, so I decided to actually buy the DVD of it immediately, because I like to have a hard copy as well. Now, it seemed extremely valid to me, and it spoke to me on certain levels. Now, I would have reached out to John sooner, but I saw that everybody else was doing that, and I didn't really want to jump on that hype train. Although, this documentary does, it does need the hype. It does call for it. I think it's that good and that important that if you're an alien abductee, an experiencer, or even a researcher, you should definitely watch it. This is one man's struggle to look into his abduction experiences. He talks to Whitley Strieber and other experiencers as well. And we take that journey with him. Simply put, I can't give it enough praise because I really enjoyed the whole thing. Well, let's get to our interview with John. I hope you guys enjoy it. All right, so I'm here with John. John Yost of Alien Abduction Answers. Um, John, what made you want to make this film? Wow. That is a loaded question. Bro. Yeah, it's a big one. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. It's a great question. You obviously know what you're doing. Um, okay, let me divide this up into into two things. Okay, your question was why I wanted to make the film. Yes, sir. Let me answer that specifically. I. Uh, I'm a t- television producer. Okay? So what I do for a living is I make <clears throat> commercials that you'd see on television. I make long format, meaning like, you know, training films or infomercials. I make uh, TV shows. I've worked on sports stuff. I've worked on food network type of stuff and, you know, true crime, all kinds of stuff. Okay, And uh, this is my business. So I, you know, I spend a lot of time on camera. I've, written a lot of stuff. I directed a lot of stuff, produced a lot of stuff. And I was on a shoot 
in a place called Borrego Springs, California. Now, this is not in the film. And um, we had a, a big crew with us, like, like 15, 17 people. I can never re really, really remember, but it was like 15 or 17 people. And uh, we had rented this really big ranch house because it's in the middle of nowhere. man. And if you've never been to Borrego Springs, it is very flat. It's very arid, very desert-like. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we were doing a night shoot. And we come in after the night shoot. And uh, everybody's, you know, in the house. And, and there's a big pool behind the house. And so some of the people said, hey, listen, let's go out for a nightcap. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning, something like this. Well, I'm in with the crew. And what we're doing is we're downloading all the footage to other hard drives because we want redundancy. We don't want to ship a hard drive with material and we lose it all, right? We want to make sure we have copies of them. And I came out after a while. And um, they poured me a glass and they're going to do a toast, right? So I'm sitting. It's kind of hard on camera here with you, but I'm sitting like this and I have a glass in my hand. And so people are going to raise their glass to give a toast, right? So I raise my glass. In the glass, I see a glint of light. And your mind, when you see things, it tries to identify, you know, with other things that you have in your life or something in your experience. And my mind said, oh, that's a, that's a, that's the moon. It's a, you know, glint. And then as I'm dropping this, this is all happening in seconds. I went, wait a second. There is no moon. This is the new moon. We shot tonight so we could control the light. We didn't want any other light sources. That's not the moon. And as I dropped this thing, hovering about this ranch house that we had rented, about 30 feet in the air, is this shiny, blue-green, self-luminous, Irregularly shaped, uh, almost almost like an egg thing. In the fucking sky, and it was it was like thirty feet. Like I, I'm going to tell you something, Charles. I could have thrown a baseball and hit it, right? Well, I, you know, I'm gobsmacked. I don't know what the hell. And my mind once again is racing to, you know, what, what the hell is this? What am I looking at? And all I could think of was, have you ever been going to the hospital? Uh, and taking in like one of those get well mylar balloons, you know, or happy bird. It's like a metallic kind of material, you know, get well or happy. That's what my mind is saying. Except the problem is, is this thing is as big as a damn Volkswagen. Hmm. And I'm what? And we're in the middle of nowhere. I grabbed one of my, one of my uh, um, cameraman, Scotty was right here beside me. I grab him and I, I turn him and he went, Oh my, and just as he does, this commotion has caused these 15, 17 people who are scattered around the pool to look our direction. And you hear these people, oh my God, what is that? Is that a UFO? Holy crap, you know, all this other stuff. And I am looking at this thing and I am lost. I don't know what the hell I'm looking at. And this thing goes zip, zip, zip and stops right above my head. I'm going to come back to that. I don't know how long it was there. Could have been a second. Could have been 20 minutes. I don't know. I don't know. But then it zip, zip, zip away from me, like 20 feet away. Stopped. Everybody's watching it. Everybody's still commenting. 
And then it starts to just slowly drift out into the desert. And, and like I said, it was very flat. We, we all watched it for, I want to say almost two minutes, minute and a half, two minutes. And then it finally blinked out. Well, what happened when it stopped above my head was I felt a feeling that I had not felt for 40 plus years. The way I describe it to people is this. If you've ever been standing on a shore and the wave comes in over your ankles and as it goes back out, it starts to pull the sand out from underneath your feet and you feel like you're going to fall. That's the way it felt. I, I, I get up and I make some stupid comment. I'm an old guy. You know, everybody else is younger than me. And I make some stupid comment about, oh, you know, you young whippersnappers can stay up and drink, but uh, I got paperwork to do. Some bullshit like that. And I go back to the room and I barricade that door. I'm not proud of this. I barricade that door with a bed and with my luggage. And I sit in a corner and I cry my fucking eyes out. And I cannot stop shaking. <clears throat> when I was seven years old, it was August. And I was living in my parents' home, of course, a little boy. And I'm on the second floor. I woke up in the middle of the night. And I heard this kind of undulating hum like like this it disturbed me i don't know what it was i you know it just woke me up and it bothered me and i couldn't sleep and it was very humid like i said it was in august and the windows were open we, we weren't a wealthy family and we didn't have air conditioning this was back in the 70s and um so i, I go to the bathroom and uh, I turn on the water, I get a glass of water, wash my hands or whatever. And I'm in there for a long time. And I don't know why. I don't know why. But eventually I turn off the water and then I go to open the door. And when I do, to my eyes, I am face to face with what I thought was a Japanese character that I had seen on television a thousand times as a little boy. And his character's name was Ultraman. And the Ultraman was in Japanese television. And he was a giant. He was a big, big silver guy. He had an oval head, big oval eyes. And he had all kinds of powers. And, and he would fight the bad guys, right? But this Ultraman was my size. And I was a little kid. In fact, I was, I was probably the smallest kid in my class until, you know, puberty. And, but this Ultraman was my size. And I was not afraid of him. And I looked, I was fascinated. Like, how the hell did Ultraman get, you know, in my house? And we got very close. And to I mean, like, nose to nose. And just then, something happened. I started to feel like the floor was dropping out from underneath me. That feeling of the sand being pulled out. And as I, I felt that, I, I was scared. I was petrified. I had never felt anything like that. And I start to flail my arms like a drowning man. 
And I lay, I lay my hands on this thing. I lay my hands on this thing. There is a tremendous flash and I feel all of this movement and it feels like that I can feel like wind, you know what I mean? But I can't tell that I'm, I see all this light and it's blue and green and yellow and all this other crap. And it felt like, it felt like you were on a, a carousel and it got out of control. It was way, way too fast. I couldn't. And I'm in the middle of this thing. And when I kind of come to my senses, something really strange happens. I'm no longer in the bathroom. He, when I say him, it, him, is in the bathroom. It's back is in the bathroom. And he's facing out and I'm facing into the bathroom. And my back is to the hallway. And I'm confused, but I'm in the middle of this fight for my life. And as I'm wailing, he raises his right hand and he touches me right here on my left shoulder. There is a tremendous flash of light. And then Again, I'll use water. It's almost like if you've ever been in a big lake or, a, or an ocean about waist deep and a wave comes up and hits you in the chest, poof, knocks the air out of you, knocks you down. That's what it felt like. And I fell down these fucking stairs. These stairs are all hardwood. And I felt ugly. And what I mean by that is, it, you know, you see these like really, you know, classic uh, falls in movies, you know, it's a perfect role. No, man, I'm banging off walls. I'm legs up in the air. I'm screaming like an idiot. <clears throat> and I land in the heat, man. I am crying my eyes out. My parents are on the first floor. Hey, what the hell? You know, running around. It's in the middle of the night, you know. Father's like, what's going on here? I said, Ultraman is upstairs. You know, he's up in my room. He runs upstairs thinking there's an intruder. My mom is holding me. I'm crying like an idiot. You know, my dad's slamming doors and eventually <clears throat> he gets to the top of the stairs and he looks pissed. He's upset because there's nothing up there, right? And so <clears throat> they, they, they take me back upstairs. I'm still crying, you know, and they do what parents do. You know, they look in the closet, see, there's nothing there, right? I look under the bed, see, there's nothing there. And they put me to bed, and my mom kissed me on the forehead or something. And, and I, man, I was like in a coma. I wiped out, just wiped out. And I think it was because of all that, you know, fight or flight, you know, the adrenaline was pumping through my body, and I was just exhausted. Next day, the next day, you know, I... I you know, it's in the 70s. So, you know, we didn't have computers. We didn't have iPads. We didn't have, you know, phones and that crap. I mean, man, you got up in the morning and it wasn't school. You grabbed an Ego waffle and ran the hell outside. And you played all day. This is what you did. You know, you ran and played football and baseball and everything. And that's what I did. And uh, I didn't say anything. I was sore, but I didn't say anything. Felt like a bully beat me up. And uh, it's time for dinner. My mom called me in and, and uh, she said, listen, you know, you got to get a bath before dinner because you are disgusting. And uh, I'm a little boy, so I don't want to. And she's struggling with me a little bit with that T-shirt. And she pulls it off and she's looking at all these bruises and cuts on me. And she gets to my shoulder, my left shoulder. And she says, oh, my God, what happened here, honey? I look around, you know, I'm like, mom, I told you. Ultra. 
And she looked really sad. She told me everything would be okay. <clears throat> Out the bath, had dinner. Didn't even think about it. I'm a seven-year-old kid. I have no idea the import of what's going on. You know. A couple of days later, my dad's taking me to the doctor's office. And he says, uh, we pull into the parking lot. He says, now listen, get in there. I don't want to hear any of this stuff about Ultraman. You keep that shit to yourself. I love my dad, you know. I once again I had no idea what why or what I didn't care. Sure, dad, whatever. And so uh doctors taking a look at my bruises and stuff. And this is a couple of days later, right? So they're yellowing and healing now. And then it gets to my shoulder, my left shoulder. He says, Oh, sport, what the what's this? And I, you know, I'm gonna I just I'm gonna say, I'm like, well, and my father is in the corner and he's looking at me. My dad was a big man. He was a big man. And uh, we had a great relationship. But I had no, <laughs> no delusions that if I, I did never want to cross him. He was a big, big, strong man. And he gave me the look. And back there in the 70s, your father gave you the look. You knew what the hell that meant. So I said, I, uh, well, I'm, I was you know, running. I fell. I don't know. So he took some interest in it and tried to manipulate it to see if there was, you know, liquid in it or whatever. And if it hurt, if he could make it bleed. And um, it's about as it's about as big as my thumb, so maybe an inch and a half, two inches. And uh, it actually looks like a thumbprint. And uh, it's raised, and uh, it changes color changes from like red to a very, very pale. It changes also temperature. So, um, but, you know, he couldn't get anything to come out of it or whatever. So, he, you know, gave me a lollipop and I went on my way. My dad was taking me home and we were pulling into the driveway and he looked at me again. He said, now listen, I'm telling you, son, never, ever want to hear anything about this Ultraman thing again. I don't want you scaring your mother. I don't want you scaring your sisters. You sh shut up about it. From that day forward, I lied about it. I lied about it because it was easy. I lied because it was muscle memory. I lied about it because I was afraid of my dad. Even when I got older, I mean, it became like a joke. You know, yeah, I, I played a lot of sports when I was a kid. You know, I'd take a shirt off in the locker room. Like, hey, yo, what's that? I mean, it was like, I said, you know, I mean, you didn't say to yourself, hey, I, Right now, you have your Harley hat on. You didn't say, hmm, to make myself look more dapper, I shall put on my hat. You didn't do that, right? <laughs> it's just a habit. You like the hat, you put it on, right? Okay. It's it's muscle memory. And that's what I did. So I, I made up all kinds of shit. It was like, oh, yeah, I got hit by lightning. Um, yeah, I got shot. A shark bit me. Uh, yeah, I got some, somebody speared me. And so it'd be like 15 seconds of, ah, you're full of shit, Yost. And then it was done. And I didn't have to talk about it again, right? It was easy. And anything would have been better, man. Anything would have been better than to look around and say, well, you know, I was abducted. No. You don't want to tell anybody that. And so I lied about it my whole life. 
And I knew what had happened. And I, you know, all these details I'm telling you, I didn't have to uncover. They were always in my mind. They were back there. But I mean, I knew them crystal clear. But that emotional reaction that I felt when that thing stopped above my head in the middle of Brego Springs brought everything back in 3D color. And it became visceral. It was so bad. I mean, you know, I, I got immediately, I was afraid of big sky, and big water, which is murder for a guy like me. I'm a producer. I got to check. I got to check uh, locations. I can't get out of the car. I'm afraid of the sky. I'm afraid of the damn sky. I'm afraid of water. I can't get out. It got so bad that I would park very, very close to my office door, or I would run like a maniac. I'm an ugly runner. I'm an ugly crier, and I'm an ugly runner, man. And I, and I look like a fool. I look like a damn fool. And it would be, it would be so bad. Have you ever been? I don't mean to get personal with you, but have you ever been so sick or so um, scared or so cold or maybe even so hungover that you, the insides of you would be shaking and you couldn't stop it? I, on the outside, you didn't look so bad, but on the inside, it felt like your stomach was shaking, your heart was shaking. That's the way it was. And I had to get these terrible panic attacks where I would be frozen. And and the more I was afraid, the more loud and boisterous I would become, you know, to kind of cover that shit. But <clears throat> it became impossible to do my job. I uh, I drank a lot to get on the flight home. But when I got back here on the East Coast, it was really difficult. Um, people noticed there was something wrong or different with me. And... Um, so what happened was smarter people than me would have probably looked for some help. I didn't. You know, I'm a producer, so I'm used to figuring out problems myself. You know, we never, we in our business, we don't say, well, that can't be done. We say, how can that be done, right? So I'm trying to figure this out. And I just said, look, other people, I can't be the only one. Got to be other people, right? And so I started to try to read about other people who had, talked about these types of experiences and that led me to actually speaking to people who had and that led me to recording them and offering them a copy of that for them and then that led me to me talking about my experience and then that led to this point in time where even though it seems like plain as the nose on your face and mine there was a piece of my memory that I could not recall. I could not recall. I could tell you everything that happened, except how the hell did I get flipped around in that hallway? How'd that happen? What happened? Did he push me? Did I pull him? I don't know. What, what happened with the light? And what happened with all those colors? For the life of me, I could not remember. So these people I was talking to, they said, listen, you got to talk to this woman, Debs Shakti, and um, she can help you. And she is a quantum hypnotherapist. Now, hypnotherapy is used by all kinds of law enforcement and everything else. And what it does in general is this. Let's say you're in a car accident, right? 
and it's traumatic and all kinds of bad stuff happened. And they say, well, who was involved? You can't remember for the life of you what color the car was, what the license plate. You don't know. You just got T-boned and the guy ran. All of that information, though, you saw, you heard, you experienced. But it's, it's buried underneath that trauma. And so hypnotherapy can say, okay, look, we can separate the facts from your emotion. And we can isolate, we can tell you, we can find out. And you find out, oh, well, it was a blue Chevelle and it was a guy. And the license plate ended in 576 or whatever. Okay. Quantum hypnotherapy is like this. It says that all consciousness is happening at all times. Now, you hear about people with near-death experience, right? And they say they're up in the ceiling and they're looking down. Well, how the hell can that be? How can they tell you what the doctor said and this nurse went out and when their eyes are closed, how does that happen? Because your consciousness is not here. It's out here. This is like a radio antenna, right? And we are processing it through this set of filters. But consciousness is out here. So if that's the case, then, excuse me, she can help you take yourself out, move yourself over, stand on this corner, and now you find out the little kid kicked a ball into the middle of the road. This guy swerved to avoid that ball and T-boned you so he wouldn't hit the kid. You would have never known that from your perspective, but being able with quantum hypnotherapy, this is how you can do it. Now, that is a very brief and and silly way to explain it but i am a layman and not very smart so and so i said you know i'm i'm kind of a big guy i'm like 6'3 and 260 270 she is a waif i mean she like an elf right and and so i don't want to sound like an old misogynist or not but i'm like come on little lady you know you can't you know you can't <laughs> you know what i'm saying and she laughed at me. <laughs> you know, the bigger they are, the harder they fall type thing, right? And she said, look, John, I'm not going to do anything. All I'm going to do is I'm going to show you and teach you how to relax. And when you relax, you're going to be able to walk down that hallway that you constructed. You're going to open that door that you locked. And you're going to see that cabinet that you built. You open that cabinet, you're going to look inside. And all you're going to do is you're going to report what you see. She said, I'm not going to do anything. And so she did a couple sessions with me, brief sessions, and we, and we didn't touch on anything except like uh, she you know, took me to my favorite Christmas, you know, uh, my first girlfriend, that type of thing. And it was wonderful, man. I was there. I could see it. It was 3D. It was wonderful. It was, but what it did, it gave me kind of a confidence that this thing worked, right? Because I, I didn't, I had no idea. Once again, I'm, I'm not a smart person. I just don't know. And so uh, that gave me confidence. And so she did not want to um, have a, a session on camera. But I convinced her. I said, listen, this is far too important now. I started to get a little bit of confidence because I was talking to so many people and it started to, you know, it really was what I was trying to do was trying to heal myself. I was looking for catharsis 
and it was starting to work a little bit. And I realized that if I knew about this, maybe it would help. And so I said, at that point, I knew that I wanted to make a film about it. Because like I said, I'm doing other stuff. I'm doing sports. I'm doing talk shows. I'm doing true crime. I'm doing food. I'm not thinking about, hey, let's do a paranormal. No, that never occurred. Never occurred. Anyway. So she finally agrees. And we have to figure out all kinds of relays and put cameras in a room and, and everybody leave the building, right? And uh, the session was like six and a half hours long. And uh, it was incredible. And um, I couldn't watch the tape. I was worn out. I couldn't watch the tape. And then after that, I could only watch it like, you know, 10 or 15 minutes at a time. It was so difficult for me. Um, because you've seen the film. So you see, you know, not... 50 some year old guy you see a little kid struggling with these things and these questions and and it's hard hard for me mentally and physically and spiritually about that because that little kid was fucking petrified he's fucking petrified uh so anyway at the end of that at the end of that session and after I had a chance to get through all of it I said look this is this is going to help me even though this is hard you know medicine doesn't taste good right that's right and I said uh, you know we're, we're going to try to make a movie we're going to try to put this together and help some more people I have to tell you it's not a resume builder you know uh, people from, uh, you know, whatever. Elon Musk is not calling me to take over his companies because I told everybody I was abducted. <laughs> uh, that's not the case. I've lost friends. I've lost some family. I have people who won't talk to me anymore. Um, so it was a, it was hard to do, sacrifice to do, but it was, uh, it's, it, it was important for me personally as a catharsis. Uh, and it was important enough for me to understand that other people were suffering out there. There, I, I found in my research, there are hundreds, thousands, maybe millions of people who have had this type of experience and they haven't been able to talk to anybody. So I thought, look, you know, if I have to be an idiot, if I have to look like a fool, a scaramucha, you know, whatever, then I'll ask the stupid and hard questions. And I'll look like an idiot, an asshole. I don't, okay, that's fine. But then people, from the safety of their living, you know, can watch this film and, and get the answers that they were afraid to ask for. And maybe it would help them. So that, my friend, is a very, very long answer to your question. Well, that is a well-worth answer, though. Um... You know, as I said, I, I loved it so much, I immediately went out and bought the DVD after renting it. Um, it struck a chord with me, and I feel like if somebody is going through that experience, it's going to help them as well. I hope. I, I, I think hope. you came off in a very positive light within that, that movie. Um, you know, people can live through your experience just by watching it. 
And yes, I, I can even tell how it affects you now. And that should just add to the believability for people. Um, it's a hard thing to come out and do. So I want to give you props for that. Thank you, brother. Thank Absolutely. You. Um, Thank you. So you have a second one coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to speak to just one thing that you said oh, absolutely. Um, about that. And, and that's this, you know, this film is not, is not my story, as you know, you know, when we, we were able to find some very interesting people from around the country. And these are, these are, you know, ordinary salt of the earth people, people with master's degrees in their own design company, people who are moms, dads, people who are uh, teachers, people who are business people. And what happens is this, is that, you know, people watch the film like yourself and there'll be certain people in there that strike a chord with you because you see yourself, you see your uncle, you see your aunt, you see your mom, you see your dad, you see normal people that holy shit something's happened what the hell is this and they're struggling to deal with and so it is important for people to, to know that and, and even people who don't like me people who don't agree with me well I, i'm a nobody what almost everybody has said to me, even my critics, is when they watch it, they're like, these people touch me. I, I relate to some of these people. I can understand what's going on. And so I always tell people, you know, this film is not about the shiny lights in the sky. It's about you. It's about me. It's about us. It's about our consciousness, our souls. What does it mean to be human? What does it really mean? Because we've been living in a dream, man. We've been living in a dream. And there is something much, much bigger going on. And we have a choice now. You know, there are a lot of people who say, oh, what's, what's this have to do with me? Right? I always say there are three types of people. You got people who are always looking at their checkbook. I'd say checkbook, whatever. Looking at their feet. And they're saying, oh, that stuff is fooey and you people are idiots and, you know, where's your tinfoil hat? Okay. Then you got these other people who are like these pseudo-intellectuals who sit around the campfire. Oh, well, you know, mathematically, I can see, the guy, you know, perhaps other life forms, but how can they get here? And, you know, what does it have to do with me? Okay. And then you got people like you and me who are engaged in this question going, man, what does this mean? How does this work? What, what does it mean to everybody? Okay. So then the government comes out just a little while ago and says, well, you know, we kind of lied. Well, that wasn't a real big surprise, right? I mean, sharks eat, procreate, and pass waste, right? Because that's what they do. Put your arm in a shark tank and you ripped it off. Governments only do two things. Only two things. Whether you like them or you don't. They tax because they need money to do stuff, right? They tax. And then they control stuff. They control how fast you drive. They control how, how high you can fly, who can do this. What They control, okay? So controlling information is second nature. Don't be surprised when the government says they lied. They've been doing it a long time. <clears throat> anyway, so they finally come out and they say, well, 
yes, the Navy and other people have seen things, and yeah, we we really don't know what they are. Really, I thought everybody was an idiot. I thought everybody needed tinfoil hats. So what happens? Now watch this. This is really, really important. Think about what this means to our species, to John Yost, not to Taro Bond, to our species. Watch this. The three types of people. First cats, men and women looking at the ground. Ah, you guys are idiots and you know, bullshit. And yeah, 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 yeah. They say, what? The government's they're admitting they lied. What the hell are they looking at? For the very first time in their lives, this segment of people who thought everybody was full of shit, the first time in their lives, they look up. They look up. And they don't just look up. They look up with expectation. There's somebody seeing something, and now they want to see it. And not only do they look up with expectation, they look up with like a duty to report what they see. Because now there's a mechanism. Holy shit, this paradigm has shifted on its head. Then take a look at this. Those pseudo-intellectuals sitting around the fire discussing, what is, oh, well, wait a minute, the government's been doing that. Wait, they've been using my tax money to, what, what? What are they looking at? For the first time in their lives, they look up with expectation and a duty to report too. And everybody else, like us, go, Welcome to the party. Everybody who called me a liar, sharks, or whatever, I'm like, I'm going to make it up, man. Because here's the decision that people in general have to make. Okay. If it's John, just one guy, and I say these things, it can only be one of three things. Really can't. I'm a fucking liar, right? I'm out of my damn mind, delusional, or I'm telling the truth. That's right. Only three things. Only three things. Okay, so watch. One guy, call me whatever you want. Fine. I don't care. I'm a nobody. How about millions of people? Millions. Are they all liars? Are they all delusional? I don't know, man. That's a big jump to start saying that. And this is why I tell you, this is some of the most interesting and changing times for our entire species. Because our minds and our ideas about looking at the ground and thinking we control this little postage stamp we stand on, it's about to change. Slowly but surely, people are looking up and they're looking around for the first time. Going, holy crap. I'm part of something. I'm not it. See, most people think they're it. This is it. Me or me and my loved one or me and my kids. This is it. No, 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 no. You're part of something much, much bigger that surpasses all countries, surpasses all governments, surpasses the planet, man. This is mind-blowing shit, and it's going to change people. Not overnight. It's going to change people, though. Anyway, my first film, Alien Abduction Answers, is meant 
to take people from ignorance, and ignorance meaning not really knowing what's going on, to, and when you're ignorant, as I said to you off air, you're afraid. You're like, if you don't, if you can't see, if you hear something in the dark and you don't know what it is, you're a little on your guard, man, right? Okay, but when you're afraid, you're almost like a deer in the spotlight. You can't move. You can't move decisively. What I try to do is shed a little bit of light on that. So people can come out of ignorance and come out of fear and then to some sort, not need, but some sort of understanding. Okay? When you have some sort of understanding, you're more in control. You can make decisions, right? So I say this is from ignorance and fear to some sort of understanding, right? That's right. My second, my second film is going to be called Alien Abduction. The awakening. What that's about is taking people from some sort of understanding to some sort of integration. What I mean by that is this. You're in Colorado, so you understand this. Let's suppose you and I are in a truck, and uh, we're driving down, and there's a flash flood, okay? And it washes out there. Well, that's kind of scary, man, especially if we're driving a, driving a Prius. <laughs> you get washed out of the valley. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So that could be a very scary thing. But if you knew, if you knew that that road was washed out, we could make decisions. You could say, listen, I'm going to take my four-wheel, okay? I'm going to take my big Suburban or something. Or, you know what, I got a canoe. We can get across. Or, you know what, I know another way. We'll go that way. If you have the information, you can integrate that information and make decisions, right? Okay, that's what the second film is about. The third film takes people from that integration to some sort of a transformation, some sort of ascendance. And that's what it is, alien induction, ascendance. And as I said to you before, I don't care who's watching this. I don't care who watches my films. We all, I don't care what your color, what your religion, whatever. If you are a human being, you and I start at the same place on our faces crawling on the earth. We were able to wobbly stand at one point. Then we are able to kind of toddle around. Then we are able to walk. Then we are able to run. But the run doesn't happen overnight. The run doesn't happen immediately. This is what the problem is. Everybody thinks that they can just get the freaking answer and know what to do. They can't. They can't. That's not how you learn to read. You had to learn your ABCs. Then you learn words. They were tiny. Then you learn bigger words. Then you learn how to stitch them together. Then you learn how to write them. Then you learn how to write a sentence, then a paragraph. Right? Didn't happen overnight. And that's what we are. But you had, watch this. What if you denied the existence of letters all your life? There are no letters. <laughs> Becomes right? a lot more complicated. Okay. Well, guess what? You can't write. You can't read because there's no letters. And that's where the human species as a whole is. We don't understand this stuff because, fuck, we've been denying it for a thousand, two thousand years. There have been people out there who haven't, but the populace, the governments have. So we find ourselves in remedial reading, in the little bus, trying to learn. And this is where we have 
these things where people were like, I got the answer. I know this. I'm a guru. I, oh, no, I will channel all your. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. Come on. It can't happen that way because that's not the way it happens. I told you off air. I said, anybody who has all the answers, run the hell away from it. I told my friends, if I ever become that guy, punch me in the face. Shut me up. We are searching. That's what I'm doing now. But you can search without fear when you start to understand some of this stuff. That's right. It's, it's almost like you run through a scenario through your head so much. Inevitably, when it happens, you are slightly more prepared for it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, like, a good example is I used to work at a convenience store. Yes, sir. And I would run through my head every night just out of precaution. Well, if somebody came in here and got into it with me, well, inevitably it happened. Sure. And I got into it with a guy who had a knife and, you know, dealt with it and went along my way. But I was a little more prepared because you run through the scenario. So, what you're saying is... Holds a lot of validation, and people really should do that. Yeah, because you get, get everybody gets hung up with the idea of alien, alien, alien. No, this is human, human, human. It's about us. It's about our reaction to it. Okay, it's about our reaction to it. You know, you talk about aliens. You know, a lot of people say, "Hey, what, what, what is this? You know, what, what, what did you experience?" I can tell you when I regressed, found out that was not Ultraman, as you know, because you saw the film. And they weren't typical grays, and they didn't take me to a spaceship. They took me underground somewhere. So, I mean, a lot of these things are different than what people would expect. And I say that what we're dealing with, nobody can decisively name it like everybody's like well that's arcturian come on man these are all palladians and i oh, know that come on Vader come on. okay okay <laughs> what i feel, what i feel much more comfortable with is putting things in buckets of experience Follow me. <clears throat> you know you got up this morning in your air-conditioned house and looked at your gizmo and controls your life got into your air-conditioned car to your air-conditioned office and did your business and got back in and got your coffee or whatever and got home and this is what you did this is what 99% of all people on the face of the planet did. but it wasn't always that way a couple hundred years ago people were outside planting and farming and hunting and gathering we were part of nature we were participating in nature now there's still people who do that but not the majority, okay. So back then, people saw lights. We called them fairies. We called them little folk. We called them leprechauns. They called them this. They called them that. There was some sort of intelligence about the earth, Gaia itself. And we interacted with it the way we understood it, as nature gods or imps or whatever. Okay. You got that bucket. Because today, if one of us, 
wearing a three-piece suit, so used to living in a high-rise. We actually take a walk in the forest. We may see some, and we immediately say, that's an alien. But it could be one of these things, one of this type of phenomena. So the bucket exists, that natural phenomena that we don't understand, or that natural intelligence of the planet that we're living on. Then you've got something you can't escape. As I mentioned, government lies. There is no Area 51. The guy standing right beside the sign. There is no Area. Oh, I thought you meant Area 52 and three quarters. Shut up. Right? Okay. So they lie for all kinds of reasons. Whatever. So some of the stuff that we're seeing and experiencing is ours. Maybe not the U.S., maybe Russia, maybe China, maybe, but whatever. It's tech, it's human tech, okay? Because they got so much crap, of course they don't want us to know because it's national security and something. So some of the being citing some of the some of the crafts are our tech, human tech, okay? And that's another bucket. And people go, oh, my God, that's a UFO. Or, oh, no, 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 no. It's in one of these two buckets, right, of experience. Here's another bucket. We, as a people, we have satellites and drones and probes all throughout the solar system, right? And we're going to different planets. And you know what we're doing, Tarp? We're taking pictures. And we're taking measurements. And we're taking samples. And you know what? Holy hell, if we found something living down there, we'd come down in helicopters, tag it like an elk, and follow it during its migration. That's wouldn't right. we? Of course we would. That's happening to us, too. Now, the problem for us is, no, no, we're the top of the food chain. There's nothing more advanced than us. So our egos prevent us from believing the truth. We can't possibly have it. No, no, no. We're humans. We're the smartest. No, 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 no. How smart were we 200 years ago? We still had the same brains. We just had different technology, right? And in 200 years from now, what kind of technology are we going to have? I had a great-grandmother who died not too long ago, man. She was driving around on a horse and carriage. She saw the space shuttle. That was sci-fi, man. That was Jules Verne. Okay, so from now until I die, or my children die, or your children die, what's going to happen? Of course, we have technology that people are experiencing, and it's from other places, because that's what they're doing. Why wouldn't they? Of course they would. Exactly. Of course they would. So some of the experiences are that. And then here's another type. From the very beginning of time, we as people have experienced things that have entered into our dimension, interacted in some way, shape, or form, and then blipped out of existence. And we have referred to them as angels and demons and gods and devils. Now, through their tech or through their psychological consciousness power, they're able to pierce our dimension and then pop out. And we call those aliens too. But there's that phenomenon. And see, this is why this is such a, 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 a nest of strings. Because all of this stuff is happening, but people go, no, no, no. This is what it is. You're an idiot. There's no way to say this is it. No, it's all kinds of stuff that's happening. That's right. 
But people's ego have to believe, well, listen, I know from my education or my... Shut up. That's how we got into this place that we don't know our letters and we're already been around for a couple of thousand years. What's wrong with you? That arrogance, that ego is in our way. I... I truly believe that we as a species have interacted accidentally, some on purpose, with all of these different buckets of experience. And we have been confused. We have been confused because we think we're the center of the universe. If we understand and just accept things as they happen, we would learn more because we could observe as opposed to being afraid. You know, I, I use this example. You, you know, in the film, I, I like to tell little parables or try to break down difficult things to understand into simple little stories so that people get it. This whole idea of piercing into different dimensions, think about this so you and I are standing beside a pond and I put my big ugly face in the pond and the fish swim up. I'm literally piercing in to their dimension, into that pond, right? Because all I can see is this, right? That's right. And so the fish looks at me and I don't look like any other fish and I don't move like any other fish. He's completely confused, right? Now, this is really important. This is really, really important. Two things. The fish has no concept at all that this face is attached to a head that it can't see, is attached to a neck, is attached to a body that has a total separate life, has nothing at all to do with this fish, has a whole consciousness, a job, life, whatever, has nothing at all to do with this fish. This was a curiosity. I pushed my face in it to see what was there. Meanwhile, the fish thinks it's life changing. When all it was for me was a lark. Second thing is, is that when I got to take a breath of air, I pop back out and I disappear with absolutely no trace. This fish tells his friends, man, you got to see this. They come, there's no trace of me. There's no evidence. That fish is a liar or he's crazy. That's what we're experiencing in many cases. This idea of something much greater than us that can somehow pierce that veil. You know, there's a great guy you ought to interview. His name's Ray Hernandez. Ray Hernandez is a PhD and he deals with really, really smart people. And um, he talks about with all these theoretical physicists about how consciousness itself is everywhere. It's primary. And that we are just artifacts of that consciousness. Okay? That, like I said to you earlier about consciousness being outside the body. You know, watch this. Watch this. You've had this experience, I'm sure. You're in a, in a big place or in traffic or whatever and you feel something and you turn around and you see somebody looking at you 
right? Or you're staring at somebody and they look at you, right? Okay. Of course. Have you ever had the situation where you're thinking about somebody and they call you or vice versa, you call and they're like, holy man, Tar, I was just thinking about you. Okay. If that just happened to you or me, that's a coincidence. How about it happening to all people on the face of the planet? Yeah, it's not okay. a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. Okay, so what is it? That means that consciousness is not locked in this six pounds of gray material. It's out here because you can pick it up. I can pick it up. She can pick it up. <coughs> Excuse me. It's out here. We are literally tapping into it. Okay? It's everywhere. And if it is everywhere, then they can tap into it too. So what are we really dealing with now? Once again, we're dealing with experiences. These five different types. And one of those is kind of mystical. One of those is pure consciousness. It's pure communication. You know, there's experimentation. This is why, like, you know, when you hear about abduction, like my abduction is unlike other ones I've heard. They didn't do experiments with me, right? Nobody cut me open. Nobody took samples of me or whatever. It was more like education. Now, there are a lot like that. There's a lot like this. Why? Because guess what? Different sources, right? Hmm. Some of these cats are interested in genetics. Some of these cats are interested in intellectual power just studying the universe some of these cats are here for recreation some of these cats are here for resources but they're not all here for the same damn thing they all have different agendas some are just interested in <coughs> communication with fellow intelligent sentient beings here's here's some You've heard of these people who do CE5, right? Oh, yes, of course. Sure. Okay. I love how people say, oh, man, you know, you can't, what, you can command UFOs to come down and see you and you call them. That's bullshit, right? Okay. Imagine this. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm just getting over a cold. I apologize. Imagine this. Imagine that you, you are pure energy, pure light, pure consciousness. You've evolved past needing a body. You just, you can travel at the speed of light. You can do this. You've been around for millions of years, not a couple hundred thousand years. Now remember, the earth is like 4.5 billion. We've only been around for a couple hundred thousand. And we are a young planet because we're on the outside of our solar, uh, outside of our galaxy. The ones on the inside are the oldest. Okay, so by billions of years, where are we going to be in a billion years with our technology? Crazy, right? Okay, so suppose you're there and you are out in the universe and you're exploring just to accumulate knowledge. And then all of a sudden, beep, 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 wait, wait. Somebody is reaching out. Somebody is saying hello. Somebody wants to communicate. Well, damn, that's interesting to us because all we are is pure intellect. Let's take a look. Now, once again, let me try to relate it to you and me. 
let's suppose you and I are at the zoo, right? We come up to uh, the raccoon cage. And you're looking at this raccoon, and this raccoon comes up to the side, and he goes like this. <laughs> look at this same raccoon and say, holy crap, look, you will never believe what this raccoon is doing. He's waving at me. And I say, get out of here. And so you wave back. And it does this. And you say, what? Did you see? This raccoon is giving me attitude. Can you see this? This is amazing. And this raccoon starts to sign language you. You're blown away. This shouldn't happen. How did you find this? Is this the most intelligent raccoon you've ever seen in your life? This raccoon is trying to communicate with me. Well, shit, you're going to stop for a second. You're going to be amazed. And you are absolutely going to try to communicate with a raccoon. Yeah. <laughs> ridiculous and absolutely true when we reach out with our consciousness and we touch other consciousnesses they say what what's going on wait a minute that planet is filled with warlike monkeys there's somebody out there there's some light there I'm pretty interested let, let, let's stop here for a second let's take a look because you know what? It doesn't cost us fuel. See, we always think of terms and things in terms of us. Well, we can't make a left-hand turn because that'll cost too much money. Or gasoline. You know? What if everything I do is through brain power, through the speed of consciousness, thought? Well, hell, you somebody reached out to you. You'd want to, this raccoon's talking to me. I'm going to take a look. And you have that as well. People think that, you know, oh, well, they're calling down Arcturians. Or I, I, I don't know. Like I said, I don't have the answer. But I find it hard to believe. What I do find absolutely, totally reasonable is for other sentient beings to go, oh, 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 oh. life is important. And sentient life is very important. Let's see what they have to say. Very articulate way to put that. Yeah. This is what's happening, man. This is what's happening. And if you really look, not that you haven't, I apologize. No, if people, not. if people really look into this, they will find out that the majority of these majority of these phenomena is communication. Watch. Let me prove it to you. Okay. You live out there in the West. Right? You know that around you, Cheyenne Mountain, and of course, Maelstrom Air Force Base, a lot of Air Force bases out there, a lot of nukes, all this other stuff. Okay. Now, I'm guessing, and I don't know, but you probably have heard of like the UFOs above Maelstrom Air Force Base, yeah. where they shut down. Okay. Well, here's a couple of things. First of all, that's not where it happened. I mean, it happened, but that's not the only place it happened. It happened in Russia, it happened in China, it happened in Europe. Okay. It happened all around the country, all around the world. Okay. So let's take a look at the two ways of looking at this experience, right? Okay. So 
The report is his life comes up over the horizon. Right? These guys are armed to the teeth. Holy crap, what's this? We may be under attack, right? They call their guy down below. He's, you know, 30 feet below, whatever, with the silo. And they call the commander. Commander's like, man, locked and loaded. Locked is down. If these guys get any closer, blow them up, whatever, but stand by. Okay. They're checking all their systems, locking all their doors. They're on DEF CON, whatever. Okay. Then, systematically, one by one, those silos, the height of our technology, one by one are turned off. Okay. Now watch closely. We go, holy sheep shit. We're, we're at war, man. This is an act of war. You're turning off our most powerful weapons. We're going to kick your ass. Okay. Then lights move off after a while and the silos come back on one by one. They do all kinds of diagnostics. They got all kinds of experts in there. Can't find out how this happened. Okay, so we as a people go, that's an act of war. We're going to kick your ass. I'm going to set up lasers. We're going to find you and blow you up. Okay, what happened though? Flip it. Some Light source, craft, consciousness, entity, comes up over, sees a very dangerous place. Obviously, you got nukes, it's a dangerous place. Yeah. Stops, observes, sees the frightening reactions of all these people. Everybody's armed, everybody's ready to shoot. Freezes time, somehow reaches in through either tech or consciousness and is able to turn off each one of these. And they do it deliberately. They, turn, they don't turn them all off, turn them one by one. As if to say, shouldn't do that. These are bad. These are dangerous. You are children playing with very dangerous matches. We wouldn't do that. And we're gonna show you by our example what to do. You need to turn them off. Now, intelligence is different than wisdom. Right? Intelligence would have left it at that. But these cats are wise, too. Watch what they do. So they sit there up in the sky for a while to let you know, yes, it was us. We did it. That's why we're here. We did it, right? On the ground, people are like this. Up there, they're just going, okay. Do you see? Don't strike the match. Now we know if we force you, all you're going to do is fight us. It has to be your decision. You have to come to the choice. So what they do is they made their point. They don't hurt anybody. They don't abduct anybody. They don't cut up anybody. They don't take any samples from anybody. They go off. And they go and do it to other people, by the way. And then the machines come back on, one by one, because we have to learn our lessons ourselves, our free will, because we will never grow as a person, as a people, as a species, unless we make the decision to tell the truth.
to not murder, to tell, uh, to encourage people, to help people not to kill. We have to do it. They can't do it. Everybody says, well, why do they come down here and cure cancer? Dude, we, we cause cancer. We put toxins in ourselves. Right? They have to say, and that's the only way we teach our children. Think about it. We this is this is not everybody thinks, oh my God, this is some you know, huge spiritual lesson or so off. What no fuck, we're doing it ourselves. Yeah. We say, no, listen, honey, don't touch that oven. That oven will hurt you. Please don't do that. Turn that off now. Now watch. Watch dad's gonna turn that off. Don't touch it. It'll hurt you. It'll hurt you. And some of us, like me, have to learn the hard way. And we touch it and we get hurt. Then there, you know, now we say there, there are no stupid questions. Well, there's stupid questions to keep asking it, right? And you're stupid if you don't learn from history. And we just, for some reason, will not learn. We're bound and determined. We have to learn. We have to learn through pain. This is us. This is us learning it in a hard way. But that is what happened in every one of those cases. So tell me, that's not communication. That wasn't invasion, dude. If they could turn them off, they could have easily blew him up. Oh yes. Why didn't they? Because it was not their intent to destroy. It was their intent to teach and i'm not saying please to you and to your audience i'm not saying that everything is enlightened and every no that's bullshit too look there are good people there are bad people there are good entities there are bad entities there are and we always say you know like well he's good to me you know like like <laughs> like people were voting for you know coming up in an election he's my man well, he could be a dirty robber and killer, but he's my man. You know what I mean? And it doesn't matter which side because they're all kind of dirty, you know, because they had to get to that level. But because he does what I want. I mean, here's the thing, man. Truth, truth. There were people who liked Hitler. Yeah, there were Americans he, who liked Hitler. He, he, he didn't kill them. They liked him. They partied with him. He was okay to him, to them. So what is good and what is bad? Well, if they give me what I want, they're good. Think about that. That's still the way we think, like little kids. You know, you hear about little kids going, I hate you, to their mom or dad. They don't really hate them. But why do they say that? Because they didn't get what they wanted. That's right. And that's who we are. We are children. We are children. And that's who I am. I'm like a backward, retarded child trying to crawl out of this dark and figure out some stuff. And here's the thing. The only way you figure it out is through experience. And the only way to experience it is to drop that fear. There are a lot of people who wanted me to skip all the way to ascendance or whatever in this film. But you can't eat an elephant in one bite. You know? There are people who tell the truth. I, I'm an old guy. So I always laugh at everybody younger who goes, I'm speaking my truth. You know, okay, listen, when I was a kid, if you would have said that, that would have been, you're telling me an opinion that nobody else shares because it's yours, right? 
Okay. But then I grew up a little bit. I understood it differently. Think about it this way. And I've used this example many times. Let's suppose we take three of the best scientists in the world. Genius people, right? We throw them in a dark room. We say, hey, what's in there? One cat says, hey, there's a spear in here. Scientist says, are you crazy? This is a whip. Somebody says, are you, are you people out of your mind? This is a boulder. They turn on the light, and it's an elephant. One guy has a tusk. One guy has the tail. One guy's pushing up against, one lady's pushing up against the side. Now watch, now watch. This is where I grew up, okay, about my truth. Those three people, not a single one of them is lying. They're not lying. It's not like he knew that it was an elephant. He just said, well, it's a spear. She knew it was an elephant, and she said it was a whip. No, 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 no. They could only report what they could wrap their arms around, what they could experience, what they could understand, what they could process. They told their truth. And it was the truth, but it wasn't the complete picture. There's a complete picture here. This is my point. All of these people with all of these different examples and experiences, all of them were important. All the people were telling the truth. The charlatans and the liars and the bullshit and the fools, you can't do anything about it. You gotta get rid of them. You gotta see, weed them out. But the people who are telling the truth, they're all telling the truth as much as they can wrap their damn arms around. Okay? And what we have to do, if we care about this, is put all those pieces together and say, oh, man, this is a mosaic of a much, much bigger experience. And that's where I am, brother. And that's where I'm heading. And I hope people get to see the film because I think it'll blow their minds. And I hopefully they'll relate to it and, and go on this journey with me because that's what it is i i have i personally have no answers i personally have more questions you know at the end of the film i say something like this i say you know how do bright shiny lights in the sky make me want to be a better person how does that happen well, what is the correlation how, how does that you know that sounds like you know hokey but it's not what it is, is, is it, it's, a, it's the correct positioning of the ego. If you know, not you, if you, this third person, if you know everything, everything, then you can't be taught anything. If you're the answer to everything, if you're in control of everything, then there's nothing else. Then you can't learn a single thing. You can't experience a single thing. What does it have to do? What does it have to do with you? It has everything to do with you that you will let it. I mean, that's exactly right. And even today, I ran across that. Um, so if the dude's listening, he can hear me eventually. If you just do the research of, let's say, a doctor, David Jacobs. Sure. You ignore the work of like John Mack because he had more positive stuff. You don't get the complete picture. You can't just listen to a Bud Hopkins and ignore 
a Dr. Leo sprinkle. Um, sure. You got to take the good with the bad. You can't just say they're angels or demons. You can't just mm -hmm. say praise or this. You got to look at the entire thing. You can't just look at one uh -huh. little aspect. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of people like to do, which they're going to have to kind of get over. Yeah. Well, listen, man, you season your meat with both salt and pepper. That's right. not the same thing. Not the same thing. They complement each other. They bring a contrast in both of them, but both are necessary. And this is what I am. You know, I've had to struggle with myself too. You know, get after the fear that I had to struggle with, you know, notions that I thought, well, I have this. I'm an idiot. I'm a total fool. That's why you like, you know, people say maybe you're a little too tough on yourself. No, no, man. I'm telling you, I want to keep myself in that lane because. The moment I know something, and I can't learn, I got I got to find out. I got to find out. the 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 thing for me was this: is that there are so many people who are trapped in fear, you know, or ignorance, or they don't want, they just don't want to deal with it. They just want to deal with it, right? They don't want to deal with it. You know, you ever meet somebody who say, I got some good news, I got some bad news. What do you want to hear? Tell me the good news. Right. How do you know what sweet is unless you know what sour is? You got to know it both. Look, it's a dangerous world out there. You know, where you live, there are animals out there which aren't dangerous. There are animals out there pretty damn dangerous. Yeah. Okay. But if I say, oh, no, all animals are cuddly and friendly, and they sing to me in Disney, I am an idiot. If I say all animals out there are vicious and all they're going to do is kill you and eat your babies, I'm a moron. People, that makes perfect sense to you. So apply it to everything. Apply it to this subject. That was very wise words, John. I mean, I don't think I could have put that better myself. And I've been trying to get that point across for so long. And all it took was getting you on to explain it. Oh, no. I remember. I don't, I don't know anything. I just listen to people. So <laughs> so it's probably not even mine. It's, it's yours now. How's that? It's yours. That's fine with me, man. Yeah, yeah. Brother, I got to go. I'm, I'm beat. I'm beat. I'm beat. But I love you. And I thank you for your work. And I think you're doing a great, great job. And I thank you so much for the kind words about the film. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it helps you. Uh, I do. I, and, and for people who are very, very far advanced, they say, oh, well, I don't need to see that. Well, yeah, but you got to talk to other people, right? You got to talk to people who have never experienced this, or you got to talk to people who are afraid. You can't take them to the end of the class. You got to start them with the ABCs. And that's really what this is, is a proper ABCs of what's going on. So I thank you. I thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. Well, John, we'll have to have you on again. I want to, pre I appreciate you coming on with me. Sure, brother. Um, where can people find your documentary? Sure. Sure. Well, thank you. Um, the film right now is playing all throughout North America. Uh, it's on uh, Apple TV. It's on Prime Video. It's on Voodoo. It's on Amazon Prime, it's on Vimeo, Google Play, Xfinity, Spectrum, Verizon, Kino Now. 
it's on video demand. It's on YouTube. Um, and uh, if you just say alien abduction answers, it'll come up or my name, it'll come up. And, um, and so it's playing everywhere throughout North America. We're hoping to have international distribution probably by Christmas and then it'll be in the rest of the world. Um, and uh, if they need to find me, they can find me, John Yost, Y-O-S-T. Uh, they can Google me. They can find me on Facebook. I'm on Twitter as well. Um, uh, they can just email me. Um, and um, I'm happy to talk to anybody and everybody. I, I know a lot of people out there. I've, I've bumped into a lot of people who are suffering. And, um, and those some people have called and they just need to talk to somebody. And uh, I'm happy to do that too because, look, man, we, li we literally, literally are in this together. And, um, and, and, you know, it's our job. It's, it's our mandate to help each other. So that's what I'm about, man. Yeah, and I want to thank you again for coming on, man. And I encourage people to check out the documentary, Alien Abduction. Thank you, bro. Now, in order to find out the rest of what happened to John, please go check out Alien Abduction Answers. Because as he stated in the interview, he didn't have a run-in with the greats. It was something else. With that being said, I'm going to let you guys go. I want to thank the Ghoulies for Hot Rods from Outer Space. I want to thank John for coming on with me again. What a great guy. We're going to have John on again. I promise you that. I want to thank you guys again for listening. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. Now again, we don't do a whole lot of interviews on here. The next one coming up is Stan Gordon. And that's not going to be until December. But if you'd like to appear on the podcast, just shoot me an email at theufosyahoo.com or hit me up on Facebook. I just want you guys to know that I appreciate everything you do. Just remember the UFOs want to tell you something. Keep kicking it.